You are listening to the Just Build It podcast with Paul and Dave. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of entrepreneurs trying to take an idea and make it into a successful business. This is our story. Dave and I are trying something different today. As Dave has mentioned a few times on this podcast, good mental health is probably the most important component to being a successful and balanced entrepreneur. So on occasion, we'll host a series of episodes called Mind Games and Landmines, Entrepreneurial Mental Health. I've asked both Dave and I to document one mental challenge we have had to deal with this week as we engage in our entrepreneurial endeavors. So with that said, let's lay on the couch and do some self-assessment and discuss our mental battles as entrepreneurs and how we deal with them. So Dave, perhaps I can start with uh, my mental challenge that I've been dealing with this week. Yeah, I would love to hear about it. This is one of my favorite topics. So yeah, what is, uh, what is your mental health challenge this week? Well, I, I, you know, it, as I was putting together this pot, you know, the, these podcasts and I've wanted to go live, I just realized that I, I really do get so focused on the milestones that I want to achieve that I set that I, I completely lose track of the journey and, and really being able to take some time to explore along the way, um, and be, you know, find, find that, uh, you know, just to realize that this is a journey as opposed to just a destination. Well, I, I, I really start to get these high expectations to complete a milestone, and then it becomes my entire focus, which unfortunately often causes me to lose perspective on the bigger picture. Well, what, is, what does that mean? Does that mean um, it stops being fun? Or, you know, what, I guess, how are you feeling when you're losing perspective? Let me let me correlate it. Uh, let me give you an example. It's it's almost like taking a trip from Chicago to Los Angeles, and you know instead of enjoying the trip uh, and stopping off and and exploring a variety of the towns and landscapes and people and appreciating the beauty all around you and taking detours, um, finding the the hidden gems. Uh, All I want to do is get in the car, see how many miles I can drive, and how quickly I get to Los Angeles. Right. And I, I, you know, I I just get so wrapped up with the destination, and that I just forget to to explore. And I think as as an entrepreneur, our job is to explore, but but we often don't give ourselves time to to go in there and discover different things and learn along the way and be open to, you know, saying, Hey, I'm on on my destination to Los Angeles. I want to go down to Purdue and see a game at Mackey arena and hear the crowd and then go down to Nashville and listen to the music for a few days and then over to Memphis for some good leaks down to, you know, New Orleans or whatever. But you, you can have a really fun journey. But the problem with this is if if the destination becomes everything, I put blinders on, and all it, it becomes such a torturous drive to get to that destination that I lose fun. And there's a good chance that if I get to that destination, which may not even be the right destination, 
that I'll lose so much joy in there. And it was so much work to get there. I won't want to set another goal. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that, that resonates. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of person that likes to make good time, (laughs) you know? So, right. So if I was on a road trip, I'd be like, I want to make good time, you know? And, um, but it you know, raises the question, what is the purpose of the road trip? Is the purpose of the road trip to get there as quickly as possible? Or is the purpose to explore all the side roads and the the attractions along the way? Yeah, and, and that's a good question. And and sometimes it's different, right? And But I think also, as an entrepreneur, our job is to explore because what we think sometimes is the proper destination is not. And if we're so focused on getting to the destination, we may be going to the wrong point. And and really, well, I, I'm, cur- I'm curious to know how this how this strikes you as a challenge because this is like a almost cliche thing, you know, like it's the journey, it's the journey. I think people say that, and I don't I don't know what it means a lot of times when when they're saying it. So when like, how does it strike you that this is a challenge? Like, are you feeling? guilty or that you're not pursuing the side roads or you feel like uh, what is the alarm that's going off inside of you that says um, this is a challenge for me? Sure. I, I, I think, and that's a really good question. I, I, I'm, I'm actually, it's a very interesting question. In the past, I've spent so much time. I get so hyper-focused on a goal that I can get comfortable just reaching that goal. And I do not like take a breath. I do not, I, I, I can spend like seven, 14, 21 straight days in a row going after that goal until I get there. And that's the only thing on my mind. I block out everything else. Mm. And, and in the process, how many times, I, I do have to say this, I've gotten to that end re- goal. And I found that it really wasn't the right goal. It, it was wrong. But I, I don't find that out until I get there because I was so focused on getting to that goal. That become became my whole life objective. And that troubles me. I have to do it differently. I have to be able to explore while I'm doing it. And, and again, I go back to the fact, how many times have I gotten to the goal and then I missed the mark? And I was like, that was so painful. I don't want to even take it anymore. It wasn't fun. Yeah. I wonder if this is, I mean, we've talked a couple of times about ADHD. Like, I wonder if this is a function of that. Cause I I've learned recently that, cause what you're describing is it sounds like hyper-focus and, and I'm like that too. Like I have two minds, you know, and on the one hand I could be like easily distracted and I'm interested in a bunch of different things. And I'm in that mindset of just exploring but then if I have like a deadline or something that I promise somebody, a customer that I have to deliver, you know, I have to switch into this focus mode and I become hyper-focused to the point where I've blocked everything out and like days can go by, <laughs> you know, right. I, can work, I can work on something for like 12 hours and forget to eat and have no idea how much time has gone by. Um, so I th- is that what I think that's what you're talking about? It's just hyper focus, and you lose, you've lost. Which well, it's an obsessive compulsiveness, but it, I almost think, in a way, it's my mind getting lazy. And, okay, so mm-hmm. let me let me start with one thing first. There there are two things. Obsessive compulsive is is one component, but I think a lot of that's tied to my um, ADHD we talked about previously, 
And and, and in many parts of my life, in order to function, I need to focus on the end result um, because I, I can be so easily distracted. And when you, you work, get, you won't you won't get anything done. Is that what you're saying? If you don't, right? I, I, yeah. If I don't get hyper focused on it, especially when you're dealing outside of the entrepreneurial world, you're dealing with a client, you're dealing with school, you're dealing with with your boss asking you to do an assignment. Your job is to get it done, and right. you have to do it as efficiently as possible. He's not asking you to go and explore; he's asking you to get this job done. <laughs> and so I am conditioned in my life to get the job done in the most efficient way. And I don't think in, as an entrepreneur, we need to function that way. It, I think it actually, well, at least for me, it hurts me because part of what's fun and what I like as an entrepreneur is to explore different things. But I'm afraid that if I don't get hyper-focused, I'll lose my focus and I won't get there. I'll get sidetracked onto something else. And that concerns me. And I've always had to put these blinders on in order to get something done. But in, in doing so, I think it's cost me a lot because I, I've as an entrepreneur, because it ruins the fun of being an entrepreneur. And secondly, you just get focused on that one point, and it's oftentimes the wrong point to be focused on. Yeah. And I feel like this is an episode by itself because this really resonates. I mean, for me, I struggled with, should I be working on one thing or should I be working on five things uh, in terms of startup projects? And I've really struggled with that question because when I work on five things, I always feel guilty that I should probably pick one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then when I pick one, I feel horrible because there's these four other things that I love equally as much. <laughs> right. I'm not, yeah. I'm not giving them any attention. There's so much guilt as an entrepreneur. I have to tell you this. <laughs> well, well, you know, yeah, there is. And, you know, I think there's a relationship between guilt and self-love. That's probably a longer conversation. But I realized that, like, I'm trying to find my areas of guilt and let release them because that's really a burden to carry that around. Oh, amen, my friend. <laughs> amen on that. I mean, so, I so have like, to tell you. Yep. Yeah. So what I've, I've embraced the fact that my brain doesn't work like normal people. And I can't just work on one startup project. I literally am working on five right now and I'm okay with it. I'm totally okay with it. I finally like accepted that that's just how my brain works and it's better for me that way. Sure. No. And that, and you know, knowing you, I realize that too. And that's why I would never say, well, you know, I, I would never say, Dave, you, you need to focus on one thing because part, I, I actually think when I, listen to you, you learn so much by diverting your attention to other projects. And then you take the learnings from these other projects and you integrate them back into a business. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's an important component to how you're, you, you, you function and the value you bring to the business or to your client or anybody else. Yeah, I think that's right. I also think there's times where a particular subject, there's not much you can do today on it. Like you might be in a holding pattern where you're waiting for something or maybe you're just not feeling good about that project. And so I don't know that you're helping yourself by just, you know, working on it anyway. I find that there's value in just switching subjects for like taking a break from this for a while and work on something else. Cause then when you come back, you have a fresh perspective on it. And uh, you do have to allow things to grow naturally. 
right. you, you really do. And I think there's so much energy that you can spend, you know, like you just have to, just trying to create something that to happen takes a lot of energy, but there's some efficiencies that you can do by just letting yourself breathe and letting things grow and come to you as opposed to you always having to force it. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, is I just thought of this, um, you know, back in the day when a lot of babies and kids would die, you know, like when we had high mortality rates, um, you know, far, you know, families that were on farms, they would have lots of kids, but they would kind of have more kids, <laughs> sure. kind of more, but more kids than they wanted because they knew a couple of them weren't going to make it. Um, <laughs> that's a little bit how I'm thinking about it as well. Like, I don't necessarily want to have all my eggs in one basket. If one project doesn't work out, I'd like to have like three or four to improve my odds that one of these is going to hit. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that makes sense. And I think diversify, you know, a, a little bit of diversification certainly couldn't hurt. Right. <laughs> because we yeah. know that if we know the success rate as an entrepreneurs aren't, they're, they're not, you know, super high. So you do have to diversify a little bit. Yeah. And I think I become less attached if I've got several, like one project, I was just thinking this one project isn't working. You know, I got, got some bad news and then I was like, okay, well, I'll just work on this other thing for a while and see what happens, you know, like see if this thing resolves itself as opposed to if I only had the one thing to work on, I'd probably like grit down and try to like, you know, make it work and, you know, uh, push through it um, and, you know, maybe piss people off or whatever. You know, instead of forcing it, I just kind of, it's easier to step back and be like, well, let's just see how this unfolds. Uh, and I'm going to put my attention elsewhere for a while. And and with just one last comment on that too, because I think that's a very good point, is that sometimes you just don't know what direction you need to go in and you need to just meditate on it. And sometimes that meditation could take a week or two or three or a month or two and all of a sudden, something will happen. Something happens where you'll get this aha moment and it will resolve. But you necessarily couldn't force it to happen. You had to wait until the time was right. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely an unfolding where the pieces come together um, and they're going to come together in their own time sometimes. So, Perfect. So, so that was... That was my mental challenge that I actually go through quite often, but I was dealing with it this week and I had to remind myself, enjoy the journey. Don't just focus on the destination, just figure it out one day at a time. So that was it. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. Um, okay. So you want me to do mine? Um, yeah, that would be great. So my mental um, challenge, I think kind of always... So at least lately it's always been there is um, not, I react, I overreact to bad news. <laughs> sure. So, you know, I'm working on this startup project called data love and I'll give you a little bit of context. We basically monetize data in on Facebook by creating custom audiences. So, so we have essentially like two suppliers that are publishers, you know, they generate websites, they generate content and they get people to register. And we have a way to anonymize their data, and use the data on Facebook and other social platforms. So it's a new idea, um, you know, two data suppliers. 
And so through a number of uh, challenges, like I was concerned about this business from the beginning. So let me just put that out. Like I was concerned that, um, that this was going to be okay from a data and privacy perspective. And it totally is, by the way, but there are, there are new data regulations, uh, CCPA in California, and there's going to be more regulation, I think, around the use of data and disclosures and all that stuff. So, you know, the idea of going into an area that's becoming more regulated was concerning to me from the jump, you know, because there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know how this is going to play out. You don't know what the laws are going to be um, necessarily. And even the ones that the one that is passed, we don't really know how it's going to be interpreted and litigated and all this stuff. So there's just lots of uncertainty. And so I thought about not even doing this right about a year ago. I was like, maybe I should just not do this, but um, decided to mush on anyway, because I really believed in an opportunity. And long story short is like, we lost both of the data deals, like basically, and which somewhat catastrophic when you think about the business model, but because um, just, just to add, you were doing some pretty good revenue with those, yeah, we, those yeah, clients. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. First year, 165,000 in revenue, just on the, like the first product and the first product we thought was the smaller product. This, the second product we think is much bigger, but yeah, we're off to a good start, you know, like making a little bit of money good margin on that. Um, so it was encouraging, but, um, but anyway, we lost, lost both of them. And so the first one had really nothing to do with us. This company was acquired, uh, by a bigger company and the people I was dealing with, they were, you know, let go. They're not in the picture anymore. And so I have to kind of re-engage with the parent company and figure out who these, who they are and if they're still interested and it's going to kind of revive the relationship basically. And, you know, it's unclear if I'm going to be able to do that. And then the other one, um, kind of out of our control as well, our, our contact was, was uh, similarly, it was, was fired. And there was some major falling out between our point of contact and the person running the business unit. So uh, anyway, so it's the same kind of, you know, typical enterprise sales problem where, you know, your point of contact is gone and you've got a reestablish a relationship with the company. So these kind of happen at the same time. And then, you know, they're also like everyone else is worried about the data regs as well. So I, to me, it's like, there's still an opportunity there, but this big, pretty big setback. Right. Right. And it really pisses me off. Right. <laughs> cause you know, like, cause in that mode, you know, I am, I guess I'm not enjoying the journey <laughs> when, when both of my suppliers cancel. Um, and I overreact to that, you know, so it's easy to say like, oh yeah, all the doubts I had about this business, you know what, they're, they're coming out, they're coming true. I could tell that negative story, right? So, so, uh, so how do you, how are you dealing with that? Well, I try to try to really step back from it a little bit and say, what, what's really going on here? Like are publishers really going to not share their data at all considering all of them make a hundred percent of their revenue on advertising. Um, or is this just, is this just a little hiccup? You know, so you, you try to, you got to get perspective. Like, is this a bump in the road or is this like a road that's been completely demolished by a flood? You know, it's never coming back. Right. And Did the landscape change so much that it, it just no longer a business opportunity? 
Exactly. And so that's what you need to figure out. And it's really unclear sometimes because you get mixed messages from customers and from prospects. But I think you have to develop this like sense of knowing either by looking at other companies or looking at what customers are doing and try to just internalize this. Like, is this thing fundamentally flawed or is it fundamentally a good business? Because I know if it can be revived, it's a good business. It's a SaaS business, you know, 70, 80% margin, like could be a really good business. But if you've got this, you know, supplier problem that's systematic, um, you know, it's not going to work. So I think, but my reaction is to like, when I get this bad news, I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, screw it. You know, I don't want to work on this project anymore because it's, it was a, uh, it was a big setback. Right. And so I think, I think you've got to just step back from it and gain perspective and say, is there still an opportunity here? And if there is, then you've got to just reassess and, you know, reload and take what you've, take what you've learned and reload and try again. And, and so, I think it's I think it's normal because uh, I do the same thing. When something dramatic happens, uh, I, my my first take, like the first day, I'd say twenty four hours is always to to take it to the worst possible scenario. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. my normal instinct, right? So I I completely understand. I think that's that's a normal. Well, what is, what is the worst yeah. scenario? I'm just trying to like. I think what you're saying is like. So it's one thing to say like this deal didn't work. It's another thing to say all publishers are going to feel the same way. That I think that's the that's where you get into trouble, right? When you you make it you project it to everybody. Cause the truth is, I don't know the answer to that. If I, I haven't talked to a hundred publishers and I haven't had a hundred of them tell me there's no way that we'll do this. What I have is two that kind of fell apart mostly because of things out of our control. So, but it's easy for me to say, Oh, you know, publishers won't, don't want to do this. Right. When, right. when in fact, I don't really know that that's true. It just kind of feels that way because I'm, I'm really disappointed right now. So, so how are you, how are you, when you know that you can run into this, how, how do you, how do you deal with it? What, what, are, what parameters are you putting in place now to, to help you function when you get bad news like this, or when something happens um, that negatively affects your company? Well, I think the first step was I stepped back from it and I said, is there a business here? Do I believe in this data love business, assuming we can get the publishers on board. And I came to the conclusion that yes, because we had done enough and seen enough margin and pricing in terms of what customers are willing to pay. Like there is something here for sure. Um, so just kind of internalize it and say, do I, you know, is there something here? Do I want to keep working on it? And the answer was yes, but it took me, I don't know, a couple of weeks to get to that point. I mean, I wasn't clear that, I mean, I was close to just, you know, closing it down. Well, and um, I, I do have to say this because you brought it to my attention, and then we had a conversation about it too. Um, and I think as we had the conversation, we talked through it, and I asked you a couple of questions. I think you felt a little bit more relieved on the other side. Like I did. maybe, I, yeah. No, you're right. I, I, and thank you for mentioning that. So yes, you're an advisor, and I reached out and talked to you about it. I also talked to Jeff about it. And he, in both of those conversations made me feel a lot better. And I think what you guys both did is you, 
you you brought this ex- broader perspective, you know. So my head was down, feeling like shit about the current situation, and you, both of you guys said, "Hey, you know, there's a bigger picture here. This is not the end of the world." And you're right. So that was helpful. So having that um, external advice, or you know, you know, just having a good friend to talk to about it that has experience building startups was like super helpful. And then I was like, okay, all right. So now I'm mentally back in the game that I do believe in this business. And then the question is, well, how, what do I do next? So the first thing was um, I went back to the advertisers and sold them basically um, another, another test, you know, like there's a series of advertisers that are testing the platform. Even though we lost the data, I have like historical data that I can still, still use from the old agreement. And so I was like, Hey, let me just pitch these guys on a new test. And uh, they said, yes, almost immediately. Right. So (laughs) I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Right. So now I'm feeling much better that I know there's demand there. I know the customers will, will go for this if we, if we build it. And then on the supply side, I was like, I just need to hustle this deal. I need to find out who I need to talk to. It turns out that I have a friend that knows the CEO of the company that acquired. And so I was like, well, that's pretty, pretty good luck. Um, and so I'm getting an email intro into that contact. So you're just trying to re-engage um, and get back into the companies that, you know, we were, you know, we were, we lost on. Right. So just like, that's what I mean by reloading. Like, Hey, this thing will work. I just need to reload and come at it again. Um, but really the advertising side, like when the advertiser said yes to the test again and signed the deal right away, like within a day, I was like, okay, I'm feeling a lot better about it now that there's demand there. So, so to, to summarize a little bit, this is what I'm hearing that, uh, you, when you initially get some bad news, you, 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 especially when it negatively impacts your company, it, it takes you down. And and you go down a bad path with it. Yeah, for, totally, for a total bit. negative, complete negative. Like, but, so but negative, yes. <laughs> but what I'm hearing that you you do, and I and this is my observation of you as well, is that you have been very good about putting a good advisory group around you, like with all different backgrounds and experience, and you reach out to your advisory group all the time, and you yeah. that advisory group gives you different perspectives. And sometimes they'll agree or they'll disagree, but either way, you'll be able to talk through some of the the issues you're going with. And then at which point in time, oftentimes you'll come up with some type of solution to see if you, at least to go back out to the marketplace and test something to see if there's validity to what you're originally feeling. is, And which is what you did. And, and yeah. That's and how that's you handled it, right? That's right, and that's a new thing. I didn't. I haven't always done that. I mean, I've only, I've only taken that approach with the advisors over the last couple of years. And I think what it, I think the value is, you get out of your own head, and it's you can see a bigger, you see a broader perspective. Um, and I think that's super valuable, and not something I appreciated, you know, earlier on in my career. All right, thank you, Dave. Have a great day. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Just Build It podcast with Paul and Dave. We are committed to assisting entrepreneurs and their companies, and we invite our listeners to join our community at justbuilditpodcast.com and sign up to become a volunteer to inspiring entrepreneurs. 
to help them build and scale their companies. As a volunteer, we ask for less than one hour a month. Thank you.